Welcome to G.I. Joeberg, the podcast that uses the intro music from still the best G.I. Joe video game in existence. My name is Steve and I'm joined by Paul and just call me Rip Van Cujo because I just pulled out of a nap <laughs> but I had no business doing so. And I'm here to talk video games. Yes, that's right, everybody. G.I. Joe Operation Blackout is available for PS4, for Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. No PC release, as it was touted earlier, but maybe, maybe that'll come later. Gentlemen, opening volleys. We're going to get onto this topic a little bit later after we've sort of chatted a bit of news and community. But, as of recording... The three of us haven't played this game, so we are immediately going to, to to hand in our reviewers card and just say that we are simply podcasters that are finally getting to see gameplay, which we've been denied up to now. <laughs> Was it for a very strategic reason? Maybe. I don't know. We'll get into that. But Paul, you're a gamer. What is your knee jerk on this this title? Um not good. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Cujo, you got a, a an immediate response after having seen gameplay? I'm going to echo the sentiment of a G.I. Joe poll, which recently came out and said that it did more right than it did wrong. Huh. Very, very uh, safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did more right. It exists. There is a G.I. Joe game in existence. Amen. Let me offer a better statement. MVP, a minimal viable product. That's actually a better knee-jerk yep. reaction. <laughs> true, true, true. All right, well, let's let's uh, close the chapter on that for a sec, a hot minute. And uh, gentlemen, Cujo, hit us with the news, man. What's the latest in Jonet? Well, it would be futile to uh, kind of reset everything that's happening. But I can say that people are still turning up in G.I. Joe Media. Of course, What's on Joe Mind dropping quality content. I believe HCC was uh, on with them recently. It's nice to see him turn up. Um, yeah. And of course, you have uh, oh, we had Word Burglar. He, uh, he made his record in like 24 hours, didn't he? I think it was about it was about two days. G.I. Joeberg did represent, and uh, I mean, he got there in a record amount of time. There is still time, and if you're scratching your head, dear listener, <laughs> Word Burglar, the scribe of G.I. Joe, the wordsmith who has basically synthesized everything that G.I. Joe is, be it comic, cartoon, action figure, and put it into rhyme on Welcome to Cobra Island, the album, has achieved... His personal dream of having it pressed into vinyl. The funding mm-hmm. was reached within 48 hours. And so we're getting some stacks of wax pressed. That's right, friends. man. Yeah, yeah. There is still time on the... Uh, what is it? Is it it's, it's, it's not a GoFundMe. It is actually done through the website where you purchase his music. Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp. Yeah, which is a great source, by the way. So scroll down to the description to this podcast, whether you're watching it on YouTube or uh, listening to it in your podcatcher, and there will be a link to uh, purchase this album. And the more the more backers there are, the more perks he'll throw in. I mean, Sean is very good on his word. I mean, look, just having the album and the album cover and the artwork is wonderful enough i mean those of us hunting around for record players now will be will be hanging this vinyl on our walls (laughs) 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 until until such time as we can actually put a needle on it Uh, but 
it's just wonderful news. And, and my faith in the community is at an all-time high to see this success story. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. The good times continue. What did you have to say, Paul? I don't want to check it now on the internet, um, but I think when you buy the vinyl, you also get a digital edition of it as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the... I think that's one of the perks. Welcome to Cobra Island has always been a free album mm. from Word Burglar. So I guess having a digital copy is is nice, but very, very much more ephemeral than digital would ever even be. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, look, there there's a digital comic that uh, that that Berge has has created, and you can get free copies of that at a certain nice. tier. But he's hinted at perks just for you know the the bog standard backer like you and me, Paul. So. Mm. Maybe expect to find a little handwritten note from Sean in the... I don't know. Let don't me... Know. Uh, let He's me a friend. Reframe. Love that guy. Oh, no. Yeah. Dude, I'm one of his biggest fans, man. Speaking of, yes. you you put me onto Word Burglar. So I thank you for that, Cooge. Mm. Well, dude, real mm. recognizes real. Yo, Joe. Any words about that, Paul? Uh, what? About real recognizes real? No. Yeah, I'm, dude. Or, no, I'm talking Yo, Joe. Since they're in the news. Oh, jeez, yojo.com. Wow, yes. yeah, like that's a that's a, that's a bit of a custard grenade that's gone off in a hen house. <laughs> Out of nowhere, uh, yojo.com sort of uh, recently communicated that uh, the the website that we all know and love is is in a bit of trouble, and that they need us to sign a petition to help them wrestle some control back of it to prevent it from well disappearing into into the ether. And I'm sure, like many of you guys listening out there, uh, including ourselves, uh, use yojo.com on a regular basis. And to hear that there's a potential, there's a possibility of it disappearing, um, is actually quite frightening. Yeah, it's it's, it's more shocking than uh, a bad face paint job on on crankcase. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's sick. <laughs> but like that being said, like in all seriousness, though, um, yeah, uh, it was what what like. Uh, I got the news on the weekend. Well, I think I think I think what it boils down to is some mods haven't heard that you don't want to butt heads with uh, GI Joe Media. But uh, no, I think we'll put a link for that petition in there. I use YoJo on the regular. In fact, it's a springboard for a lot of my research. So um, I think they'll be just fine. <laughs> You're basing this on what, Kuj? I mean, what weight does a petition from a bunch of fans hold? to some giant telecoms company because that's effectively what's happened i mean the host of yojo.com is basically locking out the admins because there's been a change in ownership uh, that's mm. those are the broad strokes as far as i understand um and if those admins don't have access to the site they can't perform routine maintenance so functionalities will stop will you know will eventually drop away mm-hmm. if things aren't yeah. updated regularly and and any new products that need photographing and cataloging a la yojo.com yeah exactly it's going to kind of uh, reach a terminal point and then just become a you know web page oddity that uh, is no longer tended to and thriving the positive so far is that when i went onto the petition uh i think i clicked onto it it had been live for maybe an hour and i think they they needed to get a thousand signatures and i I mean, I I clicked on it an hour afterwards because I was out. I got home, I saw this, and I immediately went on. And I was like nine hundred and ninety-seven. <laughs> um, so in the space of an hour, almost a thousand people have already signed this petition and donated. A lot of guys have actually donated some some 
dollars to the cause as well to help push that petition um, up higher. Um, and it's done through a company called Change.org. And Change.org does, you know, I mean, like any petition site, you know, they they all sort of, uh, I want to say hit and miss. I think that the concept behind them is very good. But uh, Change.org does seem to have a few more successes than than others. If the question is, do petitions matter? I think what you see in the Joe community is that the voice can unify as quickly as any network. And honestly, that kind of arouses me. But um, aside from that... I'm on change.org right now, and I'm watching the petition numbers go up in real time. Uh, Since I've been on, at least 12 people have signed. It's sitting at 1,512 signatures. And the goal is two and a half thousand, but I think that's a modest goal. I think we should yeah. look to blow past that. Look, I, to be honest, I, I wasn't going to raise this because I don't know entirely of its bona fides. But if what's on Joe Mind is touting it, they're pretty dependable when it comes to their information. It's always checked and double checked and comes from reliable sources. So this isn't some kind of scam or or useless petition going nowhere. This is most likely very legit. And uh, as a Joe fan, it takes, what, not even two and a half minutes to log on and just, you know, throw your your name at it. Uh, I'd say do it, friends. The link will be in the description. I stand behind what's on Joe Mine. After all, the Irizarians do have a family sword. But I do think uh, there's one more thing. I'm going to forget it, and then I'm going to hate myself. What am I forgetting, gentlemen? There's one more community thing. Oh, we'll circle back to it. But right now, Paul's got new toys. I got new toys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, earlier this week, I well, uh, late in the week, I actually got my hands on my Arctic, uh, Arctic Mission Storm Shadow, as the G.I. Joe classified line likes to call it. And I am loving the hell out of this toy. I I dig it so much. It is too cool. It's probably my favorite classified figure thus far. Uh, no, not probably. It is my favorite classified figure th- thus far. I've been, I just I took it out to the park today, um, and I've got some shots of it, and I got some footage of it, and oh, dude, I'm just really enjoying this, and it and it really has surprised me, and um, Oh, and, 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 you know, just to add um, some fun to it, when I got it, Stephen and I did a quick recording, like we recorded a quick unboxing, which I will put up. I was just adding my own little flair to the video. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been like the, the coolest exclusive because firstly, uh, it's an Amazon exclusive and it was easy to get my hands on. You know, it, it's, it's not part of the sort of controversy that is the classified line. And it is an incredibly cool toy. I'm going to interject by saying that, yes, easy to get your hands on. But as people are finding with Amazon, their postage is not necessarily collector friendly. Oh, yes. Yeah, there is that. Anyone concerned with nicks and kinks in their boxes, if you want a pristine boxed collection, Amazon is bound to let you down, unfortunately. I mean, yeah. it, it arrived. It arrived in your hands in a a, a bubble, bubble mailer. mailer. Yeah. yeah, no box, no reinforcement, no no padding, <laughs> other than the padding of a bubble op- envelope. Mm. So, hmm. I mean, it, it reached you without any serious damage, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it actually you it got, got lucky, to me pal. Much. Yeah, I, I got to say, and I mean, it, it didn't. I mean, it didn't just go straight from America to me. It went from 
some packing some some Amazon fulfillment center in like Canada. <laughs> okay, surprisingly. Um, and then it went through Germany and then it eventually got to me. <laughs> so I got to say, like it went, I mean, it's not like it, you know, went directly to me. And the fact that the box isn't even like that badly damaged was actually quite impressive. But then again, your mileage may vary um, because I also, I've also seen some, some horrible stories, especially with guys and Transformers stuff. I've seen guys getting Transformers, okay, like uh, leader class Transformers where it's not even in a bag. They literally slapped the address sticker on the box of the Transformer toy. So it Wowza. went through the postal system naked, so to speak. So I'm I very thankful. I didn't think you were allowed to do that. I thought that, that you know, po postal services around the world insist that it be in blank packaging. I think that is true for the most part, unless you are Amazon. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Amazon. Wow, it's, it's quite scary. But I mean, back to a positive, I, I, it's just like, like coming back to this toy now, uh, there was like a, a small thing that when I had opened it, I was a bit concerned about it. I, I kind of took the wind out of my sails just a little, and that is the shoulder pads. And, it, and it's actually something that uh, from the pictures, I'd always been like, oh, those shoulder pads are going to get in the way of his articulation. But ladies and gentlemen, fear not, those shoulder pads move with the articulation. They actually have their own articulation, and so that you can actually move his hand up way past to grab his sword out of his sheath, and it goes with it, and it's so cool, and that has made me super super happy, <laughs> like unbelievably happy, and he is a great sort of victim for our some assembly required live stream that uh, Jim Godfrey, Bart Simon, and myself have started, because I want to paint on some cool accents here. Like just to just to help flesh this toy out, because one of the biggest like uh, quirks to these classified Joes is that you're getting a, a twenty dollar figure, uh, and you're getting a very well, for the most part, very well made and articulated figure for twenty dollars. But the paint jobs do seem to miss the mark a little bit, but not to the point that it, like it should be upsetting because you're still paying twenty dollars for this toy, right? But on the Storm Shadow, there's just so much space to just add some small paint accents. And now that I'm, you know, uh, as I'm talking about this, I've got both the toy in front of me and I'm actually looking at his packaging and I actually see some of the paint apps that I want to do are in the original artwork, um, on the packaging's artwork. So it's good to know that the artist who did that and me uh, are on the same wavelength. So that makes me very happy, but also kind of sad that they didn't put those paint apps on in the first place, but hey. Well, you said it, Pearl, $20. I mean, it $20. would serve to drive up the cost. So you're getting a an entry-level figure with uh, premium-level figures sculpting. So yeah. the extra legwork, if you're in a position to do it and you have the skills, that's up to you. It's like an open invitation. Like, look, look at all these little nooks, these recesses, these little technical doodads. <sighs> these so gaps cool. in the armor portions like if you want to get in there with a fine fine brush and give it some pop well have at it my friend totally and if you guys don't know how to do that well come and join us for the next um technical issue free episode of some assembly required because this is going to be my classified contribution to that episode uh whereas i'm going to take it from being an entry-level figure to being a premium level figure with literally two colors of paint and a wash. And it's going to be super affordable um, for those of you guys to try it out. 
and hopefully, uh, and I'm going to make it as easy as I can, you know, I'm going to try and explain it as easy as I can, and if I don't get it right, Jim Godfrey and Bart Simon are there to also share some helpful hints and tips on how to do it. So, you know, let's help you guys get your figure game uh, to the next level, and um, yeah, we can we can rock it on, like... This is just... Oh, sorry. I love this toy so much. I love all the gear. It's too cool. <laughs> Outstanding. Happy toy fan. For my part, I finally took the plunge and did something that I've been curious about for a good long while. I've taken a Ninja Force Scarlet, the first time I'd ever gotten one to hand, uh, <laughs> immediately cracked her open and taken that head out and made it compatible with version 1.5 swivel arm scarlet's body even is able to move side to side you know the the v1 scarlet has a mystique to it i i initially loved the hell out of that figure simply because it seemed to come from a bygone era and of the original green team obviously scarlet stands out firstly she's a girl Secondly, she, she shares no tooling with anyone else. And thirdly, the tooling is very, very well considered. Someone made somewhat of a showcase figure out of the Scarlet. Because while she only came with one accessory, her sculpt is weaponized. You know, she's got the throwing stars. She's got the Derringer on the sort of spring-loaded rig in her forearm. She's got a bit of explosive device on her thigh she's got a a a bayonet or dagger she's got a catty on her butt cheek i mean okay that's when you say that that. slingshot yeah that that (laughs) slingshot for you non-south africans (laughs) yeah catty catapults yeah whatever yeah and and presumably since she's an expert with garrote wires maybe there's a a piece of garrote uh also in her gauntlet or maybe even concealed in her hair you know, she's uh, handy with hair clips. Anyways. It might be dental floss. Maybe, oh. maybe. Yeah, steel. Deadly dental floss. <laughs> <laughs> so the love affair with the figure was strong, but you line her up just with 1984 vintage figures, or even earlier, 83 vintage figures, and she starts seeming very rudimentary. And the biggest sticking point is her head sculpt. It's not very attractive. It looks nothing like Scarlet was ever presented Ooh. in the cartoon or comic book. Even adding a little bit of lipstick wouldn't necessarily take away from the fact that her face seems almost kind of misshapen. And of course, the hair is very limited. It's that sort of bob haircut with, you know, it's a boy cut. There's no, there's no ponytail. And Scarlet was always depicted as having, uh, you know, a very thick ponytail that had been kind of tied perhaps in one or two places but enter ninja force scarlet from 1993 you've got soft goods implemented to give her actual strands of real red hair and the head sculpt while still looking quite stern and all business is certainly a hell of a lot more attractive than that 1982 original and even incorporates a different color to to pick out her her irises so I've been curious as to what it would look like on the original's body ever since and managed to take the plunge and do it, guys. <laughs> Took some doing and definitely cost me a little bit of blood. Um, yeah, I, I've cut my fingers to ribbons trying to uh, shave down and carve out uh, the very thick 
neck and and joint of the Ninja Force Scarlet to make it backwards compatible with the very sort of thin, uh, fine, cylindrical 1982 era head sculpt. But I did it, and the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and I've been dining on Scarlet all week. Uh, if you are watching the YouTube presentation, there are some pictures in front of your nose. If you're not, <laughs> you're just going to have to use your imagination, or maybe join our Facebook group. She'll be in uh, there. Dude, I got to say, like, well done. That is that is an A-class, like, custom right there, and it's so simple. I mean, when I say it's so simple, I know that doing it was not easy. A simplicity doesn't imply that it was easy to do. Uh, but the concept is just so simple. It's just like the best Scarlet head in vintage on <laughs> that body. Oh, it's magic. My process, just for a, a brief little spell, I, through great difficulty, separated the, the Ninja Force Scarlets. These figures are not meant to be easy to separate at all. Uh, I initially started because I found a nice gap um, in her undercarriage. <laughs> so I, I, I disassembled the legs as best I could using the screws and then got in there with a blade and then uh, a, a thin screwdriver. But that, that, you know, putting pressure down there is actually far away from, from the business end, which you really want. You want the head. So unless you're going to actually work the whole body free, and it's fused, guys. It is totally fused. It's not a case of like some some glue that you can kind of heat up and, and pop off. It, it is sonic welded as far as I'm concerned, especially down her sides. So I got in from the top, um, managed to get a blade in to her shoulder and just kind of cut and work that free. And once the, the shoulders are, are slightly open, then you can just kind of twist the head to apply some extra pressure on the uh, the front and back halves of the body and then pop the head out sort of one side one side uh, the rest was just a case of basically chiseling down the plastic working yeah. all the way around chisel 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 nicking off little flakes of plastic all the way around nice and evenly and constantly like pressing it into the the vintage body to like check okay is it seated far enough to the back is it seated far enough to the front Cool, can I close the two halves? No, not yet. Keep going. Can I close the two halves? Yes, but can I move the head side to side? No, keep going. And once you get to that point, then it's a sanding game. Get in there with some fine grit sandpaper and smooth, 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 smooth your chisels. Pure, tedious stuff, but well worth it because finally I feel like I have a Scarlet. I can stand next to like the 85 crowd and, and beyond. I mean, Scarlet was still using that uniform well into the 90s mm. you know if i think of my favorite kind of ninja infiltration issue written by herb trimpey issue 119 of the comic book where it's scarlet snake eyes and storm shadow infiltrating the cobra consulate building in new york she is still wearing that uniform and snake eyes is into his version three no version, version. four outfit and storm shadow is in his version three ninja force outfit and it's like if you were to line those figures up against one another, the Snake Eyes and the Storm Shadow would look great, but Scarlet would look completely out. At least with this head, she's back in the game, baby. Yeah, man. Is it the uh, general consensus that Zanzibar has the best ponytail in the line? <laughs> it all depends. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Banzai? Banzai! Dojo's got a pretty good ponytail as well. 
I'll say this about Zanzibar. It's a lot thicker than than the, the figures that came after. So I think they started skimping on hair by the time we got into the, the Ninja Force. So yeah, Pooja, I think you're right. Zanzibar, if I turn my head around, yeah, he's sitting on my shelf looking very hairy. <laughs> there it is. I gotta say, like, as soon as I saw those pics on Facebook, I immediately went onto onto eBay uh, to try and see if a I could get myself a Ninja Force Scarlet, and and then it just happened that I was talking to a local toy dealer here who's got a toy museum, guy by the name of Ross, and he's actually got a lot of GI Joe parts, or should I say, he had acquired a, a lot of GI Joe parts that he doesn't want to sell off. Um, he's actually asked me if I want to trade for some stuff. Um, and he's put, uh, you know, he's actually looking for some like old figures from the nineties, possibly like Toy Biz X-Men or whatever. And, um, oh. so I'm going to, I'm going to chat to him and see if I can maybe, um, find some way to get that Ninja Force Scarlet body off him. I've got a lot of currency when it comes to Toy Biz figures from the nineties. <laughs> uh, a lot. No, I bet you do. Uh, the problem with mine is, is that mine, uh, the only ones I've got left are quite sentimental, um, sadly. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I, really I wouldn't trade mine away them. at all. Yeah. Definitely, they are sentimental, but like, we've got a lot of that stuff, and they're never gonna be display worthy. I, I don't think. Yeah. If Sadly. sometimes I take out the big old drum, uh, is it a drum? It's I don't know. It's this big plastic bin container. <laughs> container, yeah. yeah. Those guys are just swimming in there, and I sometimes take them out and regard them. The smell of the plastic, because it's the drum is kind of, or the bin is kind of, almost sealed. When I open it, the smell of plastic is intoxicating, man. <laughs> I think that stuff is all going to turn into oil. At some point, yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to reduce down to its its base elements, and uh, and I'll just have this beautiful swirly pond of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, true, right? <laughs> But now, but like, so getting a Ninja Force Scarlet, like on the one hand, like that's not too difficult, um, to be fair. And I mean, there are some worthy specimens. Oh, I got two for the price of one, man. That was the green light. That was like, Steven, you can sacrifice this figure and still have a workable Ninja Force Scarlet if you screw it up. So I was like, okay, I'm doing it. Well played, (laughs) Mr. Jabba. No, but like trying to get a Scarlet. Wow. That is impressively difficult. I've just decided I'm not going to find her on eBay because she starts at $100, okay, uh, for the most part. She starts at $100 and you're probably going to be buying it from a seller who who pieced her together from different parts and is using the incorrect size O-ring. Yep. This is my huge axe to grind with sellers. Any sellers out there who think that Scarlet can just be slapped together with any old O-ring, please think again. I would sooner have bought my Scarlet in pieces Though the seller probably wouldn't have been happy selling it in pieces because no doubt he was looking to get the best price. Yeah. But yeah, man, the 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 stress and pressure put on the crotch, thanks to this overly thick, overly strong, O-ring, has left some indelible scars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on my scarlet. That was an incredible crotch. sentence. Oh, yeah, you indelible know. scars. <laughs> and and. Yeah, man, it pains me to think that it could have been easily avoided if, well, if the seller had just been kind of a little bit more savvy, perhaps uh, a little bit less uh, in a rush to kind of get, I don't know, get product on photographed and on eBay. Something I've also sort of encountered is, you know, the little hook for the T-bar inside the the leg, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys actually put them in the wrong way. 
No, they, that is factory. Is it factory? Because they it are... It is factory, Paul. They sometimes screw that up. I can yeah, assure it's... you, man. I've I've taken apart Joes that I remember buying on card. <laughs> yeah. And having the, the, the hook face the back. Yeah. No, okay. Well, then... Okay, to be fair, I mean, then that's that's an error. But that, that is something that also needs to be addressed. Is like those hooks, they work better if they face forward. And they're easier to get in if they face I forward. I disagree. Well, I... maybe, maybe, maybe to your stumpy non-autistic hands <laughs> but but i don't think they affect the um the articulation i think they affect the crotch though that's that's yeah. where i'm worried about it because of okay. the, the yeah surely you just since you're dis- you're talking to the person known as deadly pencils <laughs> yeah no that was uh, irony well done on that one, Kujo. Congratulations, <laughs> everyone, on that one. Okay, still gentlemen. coming out of the net. Have we have we exhausted our new shit, Kujo? Have you remembered what community you wanted to bookend us? We with? have not. Yeah, no. I do want to bring up uh, Joe on Joe, fresh off the completion of his extreme run. So I raise a glass to that. Um, I believe we were both part of that, Stephen. Um, Guilty. And I think he's covering the. Snake Eyes Dead Game series on Joe on Joe Illustrated. So if you're on that journey, hilarious. Um, tap into that. And uh, I would add that he also uh, tagged some fundraising for a friend for G.I. Joe. And he's like, well, every donation uh, that says, yo, Joe, I'll, I'll tack on 500 bucks or something. Wow. Uh, they raised so much money. I think he might be like in a Scott's Tots situation. Um, <laughs> that's an Easter egg for anybody that gets that. But uh, no, cheers to uh, Joe and Joe uh, doing some great content right now. Cheers, brother. Yeah, man. Well done, Joe Slepsky. Another animated series in the can. He is the definitive commentary to, uh, <laughs> well, it was Sunbow, then Deke, now Extreme. What's next? Sigma 6? <laughs> Let's talk about what everyone came here for. G.I. Joe, Operation Blackout. As a s- <laughs> oh, not that one. <laughs> not that one. Uh, not even... Uh, how's it go again? Got to get tough. Yo, Joe! Joe. <laughs> anyway, uh, this title, uh, as I stated up front, has not been playtested by any member of G.I. Joe Berg just yet. So... We're going to make that caveat, but there is enough gameplay footage on YouTube to get a pretty secure idea of how she plays. Uh, I don't think too many of the major um, review sites have, have posted their scores just yet. Metacritic hasn't, certainly just yet. But we realized quite immediately, and, and I mean, we knew this because of probably the, the, the publisher uh, that they tapped for it. Uh, was it Game Mill? Something, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Oh dear, trust us to get the facts completely eschewed. But the bottom line is, we knew that this this wasn't going to be a triple A title. No. So it was a case of like, will it at least be fun? Will it give a diehard GI Joe fan the kick, the video, the sort of modern video game kick that they've been looking for? I guess it probably does that. I mean, I, I'm totally an outsider at this point because I haven't bought the toys that you play as in the game. And that is the first major sin on my part because so much can be forgiven 
when you get to play with your toys digitally. Like a, a video, a GI Joe title that is faithful to the toys, first prize. If it breathes life into your plastic, then I'm in. Then I want to play. I want to pick up this title and play it, even if it's not as good a game as I'd always hoped for. Even if it's actually, you know, by all reports, quite mediocre and middling. Even if the cutscenes are a little bit amateurish or the voice acting is a bit stilted. It all is forgiven when you get to see your action figures fully realized in a 3D video game environment. That said, I probably wouldn't look forward to playing this. <laughs> the gameplay seems dull and repetitive. Uh, a lot of shooting the same targets in the same fashion with very little r- variation. I'd say okay, the, the, there are a number of sins and, and the most pervasive is the fact that yes this is a title that has moved gi joe more towards the cartoon non-violent camp than the comic book military realism there are consequences there is death camp Uh, nobody dies (laughs) spoilers in operation blackout and there's a lot of blaster shots being flung both ways but it seems both cobra and gi joe have drones as their primary field uh, trooper. You know, you're not you're shooting at, at at robots. Even when you're playing as a Cobra, you're not shooting at green shirts. GI Joe somehow has some kind of combat robot that just offers mindless uh, shooting fun, <laughs> pop up targets, if you will. But I've chewed the mic for uh, my allotted time. Paul, do you have any opinions on this game, man? I'm sure you have a few. I have, <laughs> I have, I have a few. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, to be fair, uh, when this game was actually announced, I thought, uh, okay, I, I, I wanted to be optimistic uh, about it, so I actually looked up the the guys who made the game, and as somebody who works for a relatively small studio as well, I don't want to be like negative and be like. Oh, okay, you know, these guys have only ever done these kind of games before. What business do they have making something like this? So I wanted to see what they've done before. And, you know, they have made quite a few games and they've got quite a good portfolio of games that they've built from beginning to end. So I thought, okay, cool. The team's reliable and they've worked their way to this position, you know. So they've they've got this cool license. They have actually done stuff for Hasbro before. Um so you know, yeah, so this is this is game mill entertainment. Let's give the yeah. credits where credits is due. The developers are Iguana B and Fair Play Labs, and the publisher Game Game Mill Entertainment and Maximum Games. Maximum Games. So the thing is, I don't want to go because once again, it's a it's a bit of an industry respect thing as well. You know, all the guys that worked on that game, they've done the best they could within the scope and the breadth and whatever they were given. Um, and, and the I'm, budget. Let's... And the budget, of course. And then, yeah, and then there's the 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 restraints or the constraints, should I say, of it being a licensed product. Um, you know, when, it, when you do a licensed product, you know, you have a lot of uh, stuff that you have to adhere to and... You know, these, you know, like a licensed holder will be very um, strict about how things are represented and, you know, they can get quite involved in the soup. So I don't want to like, any criticism I have is actually not so much lobbied at the, the game developers. It is purely focused at the product. And I just wanted to get that away as a disclaimer, because once again, it's an industry respect thing and it's just a respect for other artists and creative people out there. 
Um, that said, though, uh, firstly, this game should not be anywhere near $40, in my opinion. I think the fact that it's $40 is actually heresy. Um, it, it looks like a $20 game. Uh, the, the design, it's very cookie-cutter. You could actually literally replace all of the G.I. Joe stuff in there with anything else. And I can actually guarantee that if that game had been skinned any other way, people would not have any praise for it. Any Anybody that's posting on Facebook or anybody in the G.I. Joe forums who's like, oh, this game's Hold actually on. pretty good, they would not say that at all if that game was skinned differently. They wouldn't even play that game, okay? That didn't uh, look like a raptor silhouette or a rattler silhouette. It did look like a rattler silhouette. <laughs> oh, there are actual rattlers in the gameplay. Yes, There are yeah. sequences when you're even shooting down waves of... Rattlers or Sky Strikers, depending on who you play. Perhaps we need to zoom out a little bit and just a note on gameplay. Basically, it is a the the single player mode, uh, the campaign. You start out on the USS Flag, uh, doing a sort of a, a slightly tacked on tutorial as Duke, uh, but the the gameplay shifts and alternates, not exactly one to one, but sort of two to one between GI Joe. Uh, components of the missions and then cobra responses and vice versa so you get to play through a uh, a bunch of playable characters on either side um from memory i'm gonna say on the joe team it's duke roadblock sci-fi um lady j scarlet i'm probably forgetting a few oh snake eyes obviously and then on Mm -hmm. cobra it's cobra commander destro baroness uh storm shadow Zartan and Firefly. The usual suspects. The usual suspects with a few absences. I mean, Major Blood, maybe. Scrap Iron, if you're a Scrap Iron fan. I mean, look, the, Please. as you know, the list of potential characters are virtually limitless. I mean, anyone with a favorite Joe to hand would want to see them in the game. Uh, I just don't think there's a scope for that because I don't know if this game will have that long of a lifespan to yeah. warrant it and there's there are further limitations in that there is no online play that's well, a big one yeah there's like there's multiplayer as far as i know but i don't know how they handle that um oh it's a split screen yeah oh that's cool you see like it's weird because like on paper there's a lot of stuff that's really good sounding uh, that, that sounds good about the game like you know it's got this uh, multiplayer split screen aspect because that's why you've always got a character when you even when you play single player there's always like a, a buddy that you've got running around with you. Um, and and got... about that buddy, you know, just a side note, the AI is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so the amount of times I see the the buddy character kind of running towards you, but essentially getting in your line of fire. Mm-hmm. Like, hang on, the bad guys are out that way, buddy character. Why aren't you firing at them? Why are you trying to reposition yourself towards me? And, you know, the... The strategy that a lot of people have have noted is the only one that really works for the majority of these gunfights, or in, if not all of them, is you just kind of backing off from your Back target. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 There's, there, there's no kind of duck and cover mechanic. You basically expose yourself to enemy fire and move backwards, back off while firing at them. And of course, your computer-controlled friend will just keep running into your field of fire. It's Fortunately, there's no it's friendly fire, but maybe they should have been because it would have been nice to just 
headshot Lady J and get her out of the way. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's that's exactly the thing. It's like, that's what I'm getting at with it being very cookie cutter. I mean, there's been no thought in the actual gameplay design and the gameplay loop. You know, there's, you know, every time, I mean, I watched uh, that guy, there's a gentleman that posted like a four hour long playthrough of this game. And yeah, we're using his footage right now. There Thanks, you go. guy. Thanks, guy. You'll be credited in the YouTube video. <laughs> um, but like you, you're watching like him playing and you're watching this game go down. And I thought, OK, cool. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to try and watch like, you know, maybe a, f- a 10 minute segment and then like, you know, squeeze through. And I got to say, like, I just can't. I like I just sat there and I'm just like, it's just so repetitive. The soundtrack is sort of like sitting there in the corner of something going. And then you just got. And it's just it's such a mess. Sonically, it's such a mess. And then visually. OK, I'll give them credits. Uh. The design of like a lot of the props and things does look very interesting, and the character design is great because that's what we're seeing in the toys, and a lot of that. And looks the lighting cool. effect, man. Oh God! It's just... Sometimes, sometimes it's very cool. Sometimes I'm like, yes, this is Cobra's base, and it's full of like red glowing yeah. lights, and I'm like, yes. But then they've also turned the kind of Arashikage dojo into. <laughs> And the USS flag, for that matter, into the like disco Tron. Dojo. Yeah, no. it's very, very Tron. Yeah, um, I'm sure Kujo, you're licking your lips, man, but <laughs> maybe not for my GI Joe game. But then one day, I got in, guys. It's a very synthwave, synthetic kind of presentation. Always, it's just done bad. You never once, <laughs> you, well, you never once feel like you're like a gung ho, you know, gyrene creeping through the jungles. Yeah, you're always firing your ray gun at exploding robots surrounded by neon lights. Let me derail the naysayers momentarily. (laughs) As we say, G.I. Joe Media doesn't miss a step. Um, G.I. Joe News on Twitter. Cheers, guys. Um, They put up a poll. It had like a, you know, you could pick one of four options. And essentially, it got like a C grade, like more right than wrong. Pick one thing that could have given this game a little bit of G.I. Joe personality. I mean, obviously, it can't be a redo. Everybody's on a budget. What's one thing to you, Paul, that could have just uh, made this game a little tastier? Uh, Well, for starters, they should have not made the game an amusement park attraction because you're basically just shooting ducks. That's it. It's 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 a gallery shooter, and it's poorly done. So how they could have fixed it is maybe made it that... Within that budget, they and I know they can do it because my team could do it within a what I what I imagine the budget for that game was. But they could have made it that every character you play has a unique thing. So they could have made like Duke. They could have made the Duke sections all the action sections. They could have given you Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes to do sort of infiltration sections, and then you know you get them to certain points and you have to get them to hack stuff or, or creep around exactly. And then they could have um, done like a, a cute kind of mini game, like a commander style mini game for characters like Cobra Commander, where, you know, maybe you could have like just, they could have even just made a a, a basic little tower defense kind of well, game. Let in me that. ask like, you this, they could Paul. Have met, met a, yeah, that's. How did it, yeah. how did it feel to see Storm Shadow breaking out a pistol? Oh, dude, that irritates me. I think you guys. Uh, I think you smelled that the second I mentioned it on the WhatsApp group as we were prepping for the show because, uh, like, that's exactly the problem with the game is that I, isn't it, uh, Storm Shadow having a gun 
is not an unprecedented thing and it's you know it's not like rule breaking he is a ninja and guns kill people so you know so just say people with guns kill people um but like it's a tool for killing right so it's fine that a ninja's using a gun there's no problem with that but the thing is that is not what makes storm shadow cool running around and shooting people as a ninja does not make it cool sneaking around as a ninja and doing like one shot style assassinations or being able to do all kinds of cool ninja stuff uh or these like they could have had these like cool little running sections they could have made it like like kind of a weird runner where you're running like really fast to storm shadow or snake eyes and you could like you're outside the the walls and like throw like kunai or like chop like bats in half and that kind of stuff like they just yeah they just made him another dude with a gun it's like everything there just feels like another game that's been skinned as gi joe that's Mm, that's my issue sounds to me paul that what you're getting at is it needed a change of pace Yes. A little gear shift, mission to mission. Unfortunately, it is always running and gunning, running and gunning. Regardless of who you're playing as, regardless of what the mission objective is, it's killing endless waves of the same opponent, be it bat or G.I. Joe drones, and then ending up in a boss battle where you're effectively killing, or, or, or <laughs> not even killing, making um, uh, one or two of the enemy's playable characters kneel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's what they do when they run out of health they kind of like just go down on one knee um yeah no very pc very safe uh to answer your question Cooge, on a macro level what i and any other true blue gi joe fan would want is to give gi joe the triple a budget it deserves as a license mm-hmm. there's so much to joe and only a triple a title could scratch that surface you know, give it the depth of writing and story and playability and functionality that you get from the big shooter titles. Uh, G.I. Joe deserves that. It's an absolute <clears throat> no-brainer, and particularly with G.I. Joe on the resurgence. It's a shame that, that we stopped short of greatness. You know, the reason I cite the NES title as one of the greatest G.I. Joe games, if not the greatest G.I. Joe game, was... It was a sleeper hit. On the 8-bit console, G.I. Joe had no right to being one of the best NES games ever produced. And yet it is. It It absolutely is. It plays so well. This game, Operation Blackout, will be relegated to the same oddities bin that the Rise of Cobra game uh, is relegated to. It's just Mm -hmm. an absolutely middling title that, as a G.I. Joe fan who loves his toys... You're going to get some enjoyment seeing them digitized, but that's pretty much where the enjoyment stops. I don't know. Look, once again, I must recuse myself because I haven't played it, but it seems like I would quickly grow tired of the repetition. But that's on a macro level. That's me just saying throw more money at it and maybe we'd get a better game. On a more micro level, a reviewer put it best when he said that the guns have no impact. Mm. You're spending more time shooting than not. And it feels like you're firing a super soaker. Yep. These are little pew 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 guns. And the biggest, the yeah, exactly the biggest culprit is unfortunately the biggest sort of shitstorm of controversy when it comes to the action figures, and that's heavy weapons man Roadblock and his bloody neutrino (laughs) wand electro shock (laughs) weapon, which has no impact. 
it's hmm. just a you know you're just kind of draining enemies' health with this uh, this I don't know snap of electricity <laughs> when you should be blowing robots to pieces, pieces. with a big old fifty cal round. Come on, man, give us the satisfaction of some impactful shooting. Exactly, oh. but that. But that's, and, and here's the thing. So I'm going to mention two things. Firstly, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works of, you know, your macro uh, overview and that, you know, throw more money at it and you can make a better game. I, I agree with that fully because in practice, that is, uh, that is very true. You know, if you have a bigger budget um, and you can be a little bit more audacious with that budget, then yes, you can actually get a much better product out of it. However, it just doesn't just filter down to gameplay. Mm. I mean, the overall, the overarching story is, as ham-fisted as they come. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to get into details, but as you see it play out, you, you really are... I mean, if you're thinking about it a bit critically, which <laughs> I'm known to do, your head is in your hands and you're groaning. It's it's really, really piss poor. I mean, it does do the old trope of, like, Cobra in the White House and the, the Cobra banners flapping um, from the, the, the rooftop. But... The direction it goes in thereafter, it, it definitely does tap into that sunbow. Ron Friedman, like, wait, just pull that one out of my thumb. <laughs> yeah, but even that stuff was like more creative than what the plot for this game is. But yes, it, it is cut from a similar cloth, definitely. The thing is, I've seen quite a few games uh, recently in the last few months that have been $20 titles. Uh, that have been an incredible amount of fun, uh, that I've thoroughly loved and, and enjoyed, and they didn't have, I don't even think they had a quarter of the budget that this game had, and they just offer a lot of what's missing in these games, because they have got good game design. And one of them I'm talking about is a, a, a game It's based on a licensed title, it's called The Mummy Demastered, okay? That's based on the Tom Cruise Mummy movie, right? Okay, now you think, you know, you hear me say this and you go, oh my word, that movie like sucked. Okay, and then you're like, why would they make a game on that load of crap? And that's the whole, the whole joke. They made a Metroidvania style game. They managed to, to pull a, a really deep, almost frightening, uh, well created game out of that license. And they called it the Mummy Demastered. And it looks like a, it looks like a, like a PlayStation 1 2D platformer. It is beautiful, and it's really, really well done. And it reminds me a lot of the original G.I. Joe games by Taxan. Another one is a game called Blazing Chrome, which is basically a Contra knockoff. But once again, smaller budget, but very focused on getting gameplay and, and that, that bullet feel right. You know, that shooting, uh, that, it's the same thing as a guitar strum. You know, you, when you strum a guitar, you're like, yeah, this is amazing, you know, when you... Like you want that you want that feeling in your guns when you play games. You want that rock and roll feeling from your guns. Pun intended. Rock and roll's like, yeah, man. That, there was another one, and then there's a game called The Hunt Down, which is just absolute eighties bliss. It's this whole love letter to eighties action movies. It's got these three uh, out of this world like kind of characters that are just just more than they're just super extra. And the soundtrack is great. The graphics are beautiful. It's just a straightforward run from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen and shoot the crap out of everything. And that is repetitive, right? But how did they manage to make it really great after over 20 levels? Well, they got a great feedback loop. They make the environments interesting. They make the characters fun. 
that's all that this G.I. Joe game needed. In fact, I actually think Hasbro shouldn't have even tried to go 3D with this. They should have tried to maybe make like a cool retro throwback game. Another great retro throwback game that we've had, Streets of Rage 4. Also a $30 title, okay? And amazing uh, game. Once again, small development team. I think there's like 10 people. There's more people marketing the game than people that actually made the game. Um, so that's why the money... So it can be done, Paul. It can be saying. done. It can be done. Uh, G.I. Joe fans, we just got to suck it again. <laughs> Steven, we've commented on the graphics, etc. Was there any characterizations within the... Uh the people featured that uh that you liked or didn't like there's some vehicle combat uh it's not very good but i'm glad it's in there um mm. kind of gives you a little unfair taste of what uh, you know triple a gi joe game might be where you have the ability to be ace and kind of scramble from the deck of the uss flag and fly sky striker in a desperate fight against waves of of incoming rattlers that doesn't happen. <laughs> this is my flight of fancy. But you do get some driving sections where you commandeer Hiss tanks, or you don't commandeer them. You, As Destro and the Baroness, you're driving a Hiss 2 with kind of a modified enclosed turret. Um, and they have rapid-fire weapons and then a kind of a chargeable big gun. I know what you're and talking you're driving about. down oh, this kind yeah. of desert track. Um, there are various kind of obstacles. Uh, stalactites falling from the, the cave ceilings in, in one sequence or giant sort of rock obelisks that are falling over. Um, you're fighting... Hey! <laughs> you're fighting uh, persuaders, G.I. Joe persuaders. Uh, and the boss battle is a tomahawk with uh, only its front rotor blade animated for some reason. So strange. <laughs> if, if ever you've wondered what a tomahawk would look like with a single set of rotor blades... Well, there you go. Uh, but they do correct that in a cut sequence or in the, the kind of escape sequence at the end of the game. Anyway, it's it's just weird. Since you mentioned the Persuader, uh, if you'd like to hear the other end of the spectrum, I believe uh, Show Force, I mean Full Force, did cover the video game as well. So D80 and uh, Justin Bell did have some glowing words, which I don't disagree with, by the way. Um, I'll say this much about the Persuader. I've never really considered it up till now, but like maybe on a subconscious level, the reason I don't like it so much is because in terms of its configuration, it is it is a his tank reskinned to be green. Like the top turret, the sloped front. Okay, the slope works in a different um, geometry, but like it's got that swoopy, his tanky feel to it. With the, you know, the, the angle at the back is almost the same. Lovingly reproduced on the skin, the you know the video game skin, is the dead eye sticker at the back of the <laughs> Yeah, trailer. I like I thought that That's was crazy. awesome. But uh, yeah, man, it's, it's interesting to see those two vehicles as your playable ground vehicles. You don't get a Snowcat, you don't get a Mobat, you don't get a Mauler. I mean, like, there's so many absences in terms of the playable vehicles. You're, you're always going to fall back onto those two tanks. And there is no, you don't get to jump in the cockpit of any kind of aircraft. Um, you get to fight Rattlers, you get to fight Sky Strikers, you get to fight Tomahawks, but you're denied the option to play as them, unfortunately. And the driving sections are very kind of rail-based. You have no real freedom. They're made to be punchy and fast, but you have no real control. You're kind of avoiding obstacles, be it man-made or natural. <laughs> and, and the vehicle 
occupants in one section are a lifeline and mainframe, <laughs> interestingly. Uh, and, and a little Easter egg that I wanted to, to bring your attention to, gentlemen, is I could have missed my guess, but it, it feels a lot like Lifeline has a crush on Duke. That's some intriguing uh, writing, because okay. at one point, at one point, um, Lifeline's kind of calling out Mainframe's combat credentials, uh, which is a, a popular trope with Mainframe. I'll give the writers credit for that. And Mainframe says... I'll let you know I'm just as capable as Duke. And Lifeline's response to that is, yeah, but not as good looking. Yeah, I heard that line. And I must say, I didn't even think about it that way. That's actually quite interesting. That's a bit woke. (laughs) It it is a little bit woke. I don't know. Take it or leave it. I hope I haven't soured that for anyone who is less on the woke side of of the the political divide. But uh, it does, does raise some questions as to... The, the the all-inclusive combat force that G.I. Joe is. Well, let me, uh, let me piggyback off that, unless you were uh, still going. Oh, I've got loads of Easter eggs, but uh, please do piggyback, my friend. This is the one thing, and uh, I believe an article dropped, and I'm kicking myself because I just uh, wasn't able to track it down on uh, social media, but the people that made the game was uh, made uh, for the fans by fans. So... Considering that, it's always nice to have uh, fans making the game, uh, and I think I think you guys had a successful launch, to be honest. Um, so cheers. If I was looking for something small that would have just made everybody fall in love with you right away, the, my favorite part of watching people play the game is those little, like, uh, I guess they're like little bust shots or heads and shoulders that talk to you for a second. Like they pop on the screen and they get, you know, they're communicating with you. And, like, Bioshock used that same trick, you know, to, to save money on the budget. You have, like, a static picture and somebody talks to you for a second. Guessing, basically. You should have done those for the bad guys, too. Like, if you would have had a Viper go, I'm the one that's going to kill that Joe, and it just pops on the screen for a second. Or, like, if when the jets went overhead, you see Wild Weasel just give you a salute when the bombs are coming down. Uh, that would have been... Cooge, oh. it speaks to how empty the world feels. Mm. And this comes back to the fact that you're killing mindless bots. It's oh, like the only the only human beings Ooh. in this game are the the small cabal of of playable characters. Hasbro yeah. says you can't step on an ant. How do you show a guy dying on screen? Like as soon as they get shot, they just kind of freeze in that torment they, position. They, they take a knee. That's what they do. They just kind of crouch down. No, look. I mean, it is a very. That's probably what makes the gameplay feel so repetitive and mindless. Is the fact that you are only ever surrounded by these robots like your entire cobra base and you don't encounter any blue shirts any technical personnel you don't have to kill them you could take them prisoner or you could just you know observe them running away or have some kind of interactions with them but it doesn't you know the game doesn't extend that far the reality of this world it's it's a paintball arena or a laser tag arena it's not a thriving fully realized gi joe and cobra world the USS flag is very vacant. I mean, it's cluttered with broken sky strikers and like uh, ramshackle fortifications because it's effectively under siege by Cobra. And then at one point, as Joe, you retake it. Exciting stuff, but also a way to reuse an environment. <laughs> way to go, developers. Um, but, you know, it's, it just feels so vacant and so empty, unfortunately. 
The one thing that kind of put me off, and it is fundamental because I'll, I'll recall a line I heard from Buzz Dixon when I interviewed him, and you, you evoke Ron Friedman, I'll go Buzz Dixon. Um, he said that the thing that makes a Joe a Joe is to be able to discern what's happening and adapt. So, I mean, like, the one line that kind of put me off is I think there's a bunch of people in a persuader, and they're chasing a rattler, and somebody jumps on it. Is it sci-fi that jumps onto the rattler to hang on? Yeah. And whoever's driving the persuader goes, what just happened? Like, that's okay if it's like Adam Scott on Parks and Rec. But a jo- I, I think a funnier line would have been like, I think it was my turn to turn, jump onto this, you know, supersonic jet or whatever. And then, of course, you could have the, the lady, who's a Lady J, just go, well, you're just going to have to settle for driving a two-ton war machine, you know. Touché. Look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's much wit in the scripting, and some, some of the lines feel completely boneheaded, like it's a first draft practically. Does anyone want to talk about the cutscenes? They're not yeah. handled with in-game graphics or as uh, movie sequences. Well, they are I, comic book. I like that as a storytelling device, kind of like the, uh, you know, just the kind of sliding frame or whatever. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. yeah. I've got a few positive uh, things I want to say about this game. And those cutscenes are part of the positive. It's more a case of the implementation of that. Like, they could have just had talking heads. You know, you mentioned uh, having little pop-ups come up in the corner with talking heads. They could have done that the whole game. You know, throughout the whole game without those cutscenes. The fact that they sprung for those cutscenes is cool. Uh, Whether you like the style of art used for that and you like the execution, that's really going to differ from person to person. Uh, from a professional standpoint, I thought they were handled very nicely. Um, listen, they can always be better, but I think that they are one of the better things in the game. Like, they, they actually are one of the things that sort of show off the most polish. I found an Easter egg, and it does uh, hang nicely with your point, Cooch, that this was fan-made. Uh, in the final cutscene, we have Ace flying a large grey transport plane. I I swear it is the AB one one five shark by True Heroes. <laughs> it has the same teeth decal along the side, the same configuration, and it even has sort of the gun barrels poking off the sides of the aircraft, which have cool. no place on like a C one thirty. You know, like the the C one thirty Spectre or is it Spooky or Smoky or whatever has the guns pointed outwards which the AB-115 incidentally do ha- does have, sort of at right angles to the fuselage. But <laughs> these are the light-up guns, the sort of electronic lights <laughs> and sounds guns that, that poke you know, towards the front. And it's reproduced in the artwork. So I'm thinking, this artist either has the toy or is fully aware of the fact that Joe fans the world over have repurposed that true hero's plane as their de facto G.I. Joe transport plane. No, that is a cool little easter egg, actually. It's pretty obscure as well. Mm. It's the same tone of grey. And, yeah, I mean, it is pretty obscure. Blink and you miss it, but I didn't. Uh, and that's why we love you, Steve, because you pick up well, stuff like that very quickly. Let's say, in a <laughs> fantasy world, this game has some legs. Like, an easy thing to do would just, like, the Tiger Force skins. You know, like, people will still play if you keep dropping, like, these little kind of, like, and I, to to the end where like you're fighting robots, yeah, maybe that's where you slip in because I know we got those scrap iron fans out there. Maybe that's where a little screen of scrap iron comes up that goes, "They're cutting through our bats," you know, and people are getting rattled and stuff like that. That could work too. Uh, once again, on the positive side of things, 
Those little cutscenes are great. And then I also really like the character design, but that's because I already like the character design in the toys, and I've already seen the toys, and I like the toys. At least I like the design of the toys. So a lot of that is echoed in, in, the, in the game. And yes, unfortunately, there is a small contrast between stuff that's been released as a toy and stuff that hasn't been. So I'll turn your attention to a character like Mainframe. Mainframe, you can see, is them sort of zooshing up the original vintage look of Mainframe. But you can see that that's not his actual design. Uh, that's not the classified design for him. Uh, because if you see a character like Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi is also a zooshed up version, but still has enough that says to to me, at least, that this is actually what Sci-Fi is going to look like when they release him as a toy, more or less. So it's cool to see a lot of that. But one of the things that I picked up that I really liked uh, was in that um, ill-fated roadblock section where you busy beaming things. The the Cobra, I, I think they're trying to evoke that snake robot from the earlier Sunbow line. I think it's from the one miniseries. There's that cool, you know, that snake robot. Uh, it's like a really big, it's just, it's kind of cheesy looking. But in the game, there's a really a cool modern design of that. And I hope we see that as a toy because it was cool to see that thing in the game. Like that was a well done design. I also like the bats. I thought the bats were were executed quite well, and because I have a good understanding, <laughs> well, you hope how, so. But they're pretty much the only enemy that you're encountering, right? Exactly. So, and and when I think of them being translated into toy form, I'm quite excited about that because you know if I see how Duke was translated into the video game based on his toy, there are some things about the video game version that I think are super garish but look fine on the toy. So I'm hoping that that same thing holds true for the bats. I'm also glad that the Baroness doesn't have her hair half dipped in purple um, in the toy form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting choice, that. It's like the Baroness evoking Zorana. If you don't know yeah. what we're talking about, yeah, it, it seems like Zorana's skin in this video game... <laughs> not Zorana. The Baroness's skin in this video game has this, like, fade to purple toward her tips. Weird hair. Weird, okay. weird hair. Weird hair. I mean, punk style <laughs> let me just correct myself for a sec it seems they do fight uh human bots in the arashikage dojo uh they are they're sort of enemy ninja that you fight through but they disappear into a puff puff of smoke instead of <laughs> lying down on the floor dead <laughs> I'm, well, that's I'm all good. right with a puff of smoke at least there's some variation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well minor variation but yeah i'll take it i'll take it you know, that's but that's the problem with like that kind of design in a game is that it it starves you for that. You know, a part of you keeps playing it hoping that it gets better, and then you get to the credits and you're like, well, it didn't. Um, but like I don't want to like like I said, I don't want to rag on it too much. Uh, I also yeah, like yeah. Let's let's wrap yeah. this one up. Let's let's try and put a positive spin on it. A little bit of constructive criticism from the three of us. I like the voice acting. There's a positive. Voice yeah. acting, cool. I will say that Mainframe's voice artist, I had to double check the credits because it sounds a hell of a lot like fellow G.I. Joe podcaster Jared from the uh, Joe Headcast. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yard sale artist. Yeah, dude. I, I can't... I think his name's Jared Albright or Albrecht. Either way, Jared, dude, if, <laughs> if you want to hear um, a voice actor that sounds... Uh, splitting not image uh, splitting sound <laughs> whatever it's just like the struggle him. is Sounds real just like him anyways good good point paul 
Yeah, the voice acting is cool. Some of the performances, like you mentioned, I think fail because of the lines. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, really cool, like, voice acting. Like, that's something that uh, definitely took my attention. Like, I was like, oh, cool. Um, also, I love seeing sci-fi. I'm a, I'm a fan of sci-fi, and it was cool to see him in the game. Part of me is, like, really hoping to do a toy, so that's, like, that's a, a small part. I mean, that's what should happen, right? You should see the stuff and get excited about, you know, more of this being a, a toy. And I like Absolutely. the UI. Like, uh, it's something that people, like, completely overlook, but I think I think from the UI, the user experience part of the, like, the menus and the weapon selection stuff and all that, I thought that was done quite well. Like, it's it's not, like, amazing, but it's done quite well. And then I just want to put in this small little caveat as well. Guys, understand that for me, I'm judging this game from, from the perspective of I played tra- uh, Transformers War for Cybertron, and, mm. you know... And that was, to me, that's the best Hasbro, best representation of a Hasbro product in video game form. It is epic. I love that game. It's so sad that you cannot find it as a digital download. It is now quite difficult to get because it's only a physical release, physical copy. So if you can get your hands on that, that's it's a great game. I know that that is a AAA game. I know that it's made by a big studio. It's not fair to compare it. But there are some things there that one could like sort of uh, distill into a smaller product, a smaller, cheaper product. And that's what I'm judging it but by. But Hasbro should be backing their G.I. Joe with that kind of financial tonk. Definitely. It's, it's unfortunate to me, man. Yes, Transformers has a more privileged position these days because it is a, a thriving toy line and movie franchise, whereas G.I. Joe has kind of limped along by... The, you know, fan indulgence, our indulgence for, for a long while. But, you know, a strong video game could only help. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be money wasted. Ah, oh, it's just, yeah, man, it's, just, it's a shame. It's a shame that the, the level of investment wasn't there up front. But I said I'd put a positive spin on this section. And for my part, I'd say that while you kind of denied it when you're watching effectively a speed run of the gameplay, I know that what I would do if I had this title in hand is pour over all the little details. Mm. And they are there, man. There are some love notes to classic toys. You see a lot of parked vehicles, for instance. I would just spend minutes, if not longer, just pouring over a parked Sky Striker or the Mobat done up in black and, and with the, the Cobra symbols on it. I forget what it's called. I think it might even be a Canadian exclusive because uh, it wasn't the Crimson the Attack Crimson Tank. Crimson Strike, right? Cr- Crimson Attack Tank? The C-A-T has red oh, accents. Right. Whereas the Canadian... There was a Canadian release that Form BX257... Uh, it was a mail-away, I think. And he did a review on it where it's entirely black. And that's what they used, presumably... Um, in some of the Cobra bases, it's parked there. And I'm sure there are other details. Like, I would want to go to, like, the command centers and look at all the screens and see what kind of digital information they're they're portraying. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things that would add value to this game, in my opinion. You know, the gameplay is what it is, but somebody designed all these environments and these worlds and this <laughs> cathedral-like interior for the USS flag, which... Granted, it's a big boat, but I'm pretty sure like any carrier in the world, it's a little bit more cramped on the inside than they're depicting it. The hangar mm. is one thing, but like it seems to have this command node, but 
Oh, jeez, I'm getting negative again. Sorry. That's that's I'll my takeaway. Pooj, what do you got to round us up, my friend? Well, these words are coming from somebody who went a thousand for a thousand on the gamer score on the last Joe game. I think that was on Xbox something. Um, it was the movie game. It wasn't bad, though they did have Firefly screaming. Um, yeah, no, I mean the game. I think you guys nailed it with the fact that like, what is GI Joe? It's details, and the guns did not pop. Of course, they're laser guns, but. Um, no, I would say if you're the studio <laughs> behind this game... They quite literally did pop because they're pop guns. <laughs> if you're they're the studio guns. behind this game and you, you've you been strong enough to take all these words, uh, know that G.I. Joe fans, are, of course, are the toughest in the world, but we love you long time. I think you know that. Um, don't give up on the game because it's probably going to find a lot of stockings uh, this Christmas. Um, and I think... Because uh, you know, you know it's price in the bargain bin. <laughs> yes, but... Those Tiger Force skins. And honestly, give some love to the community. I don't know how you do that, but Hasbro, um, media is changing. Uh, show us some love. That's all. But I would like to uh, add to what you're saying there, uh, as well with the stocking stuff aside of it. I really hope that this game uh, achieved its projected target in terms of sales and whatever. So that this company gets a chance to make a second one. Or, or another game for GI for Hasbro in the GI Joe series because I think they'll nail it the second time round. I've got a really good feeling, um, just also coming from the production. What, this background. was a misfire. No, I think I think what happened is I think they had all of these great ideas, and I and I honestly do think they they have a lot of great ideas because this is what happens. You a client comes to you and they want you to do this game, and you come up with this great game, and then the client's got this kind of budget, this kind of timeline, so you kind of streamline what you can do well as, to the best of your ability within that timeline, and then that's also in a weird way like you're proving time, like you're proving yourself to that client. You know, in this case, the client would be Hasbro, so you're proving to Hasbro that you can actually make this game from beginning to end, and that it can be successful, and hopefully. Um, Hasbro has seen that, okay, cool, this team actually knows what it's doing. We can actually let them have a little bit more control of the design and, and, you know, sort of loosen the apron strings a little bit and not get like too much on top of them. Because I think there's all of these ideas that they wanted to put in. They just were like, we can't do that now. You know, we don't have, you know, we don't have the budget to get that, that skill set up or we don't have the budget to get this dev kit in or whatever it's right now. So, all right. All yeah, right. so... So I, I'm hoping, and I'm sorry, my dog is barking frantically outside because there seems to be some drama <laughs> outside. But um, I really do hope we get a sequel to this because I really think the, the the second time round will actually be much better and it will be more polished and more cohesive. And I think Hasbro needs to be brave and let somebody do a second G.I. Joe game. Like, let the same company do that. Because I even think the original team that worked on the old EA Nightmare of a Game, I think even they could have done a better second game. Definitely. All right, Operation Turn Up. But aside from that, uh, actually, I lost it. It's gone. And so are we, ladies and gentlemen. This has been GI Joburg Operation Blackout. I'm intrigued. What do you think of the game? Let us know in the comments section down below. But uh, from Steve, I'm gonna be fading into the darkness. I'm gonna hey. hit that hit that button on that Xbox and <laughs> Rip Van Steven. Red Ring of Dead. And, and this is Paul hoping I get to unwrap a Star Wars Squadrons in a week or so. So while I try to find my pilot jumpsuit and my helmet, I will see you next time.
And this is Cujo on the West Coast saluting the best media team in the world and saying that uh, Blackout was okay with me. <laughs> Are you going to buy it, Cooch? I'm an Evercade man. You know that. Yeah, you like him retro. Me too. Uh, yes. Well, like I say, you want that uh, G.I. Joe experience, you gotta go retro. <laughs> Later, guys. Later.